Hello everyone, it's Simon. Once again, my dulcet tones lull you into, you know, whatever. Alright. Alright. This is Simon from For Every Human, from Trending Human, from I Actually Fucking Love Real Science. And I'm shocked that I got all those words out. This is my third attempt, I'm pretty tired. Alright, I'm on the way home from work again. What are we going to talk about? Let's talk about Mars. Mars is pretty cool. Um, fires up the imagination. It's red. Everyone likes red, really. It's named after the fucking god of war. Always pleasant. Though Pluto's an interesting one. It's named after the god of death. And then we took away its planet status. Yeah. Something to think about. Anyway, Mars. We sent a robot there. It's one of the most advanced robots humanity's ever built. Which is kind of a redundant statement because you wouldn't send a shitter robot to Mars. Yeah. I'm sure someone will eventually, but you wouldn't send a shitter one. Not at this stage, anyway. So what is... Mars is a planet. Let's go see. Let's just run through some primers on it. Mars is a planet, exactly the same as Earth. It's a rocky planet. It's one of the inner core... One of the inner rocky worlds of our solar system, alongside Mercury, Venus, the Earth, which is, you know, where we are, and Mars, which we're talking about. It has two moons, Phobos and Deimos, which are the critters that, which I think they're horses but I can't quite remember if they're horses which pulled War's chariot not War, War Ares, which pulled Ares chariot, and Ares is the Greek name of, for the god of war that the Romans turned into Mars, because they did that Jupiter in their pantheon is Zeus goes that way too, but I'm rambling already this is a good start so, two moons, but they're actually big asteroids. They're not terribly... Sphe- they're, they're spheroids. Really lumpy. Um, but very metal-rich. Metal we'll come back to that if I remember to come back to that. It has almost no magnetic field. So, on Earth, the magnetic field that's, you know, around us, and I actually gesticulated with my hands around us, even though there's quite literally no one looking at me, the magnetic field is produced by the interaction of the core and the mantle and the two aspects of the inner core of the Earth and they rotate very quickly, blah, blah, blah. And it produces a magnetic field, Earth magnetic field around the Earth that protects the Earth from some of the really gnarly space-borne radiation events that would fry us like a bloody egg if the shield ever went away during like a neutron storm or a coronal mass ejection event or any of these things that would just ruin everything for our species and would all be boiled alive. So Mars doesn't have that. So, apart from apocalyptic world-ending scenarios, it actually just means that the radiation level, background radiation level, is a lot higher. So that is a thing, alright? There is an atmosphere on Mars, but it is very thin. There is technically oxygen on Mars, but it is not even close enough concentration-wise, for humans to be able to breathe there. You would choke to death as if you were, you know, extremely high up. Not even that. Even the top of Everest is not like Mars' atmosphere. You'd have to be much, much higher than that. Anyway, you would, humans would asphyxiate if they ever went there without a suit on. So, irradiated. It's no atmosphere. And there's... It's cold. Very cold. It's not quite as cold as the back as, as the depths of space, but it's pretty close. And the big overriding feature of Mars that is this kind of the most relevant thing, and this is the direction I'll come to it because I am, you know, a geologist, is that 
Mars is not tectonically active. So I'm pretty sure I've mentioned in one of my other podcasts that, God knows what I've mentioned in my other podcast, is that, that, that planetary processes are almost entirely, if you go back far enough with them, they're all driven by tectonics. And that its simplest explanation, tectonics is hot thing want to be not hot anymore and radiate that heat away, which is our core. So Mars has a core, but because it is much smaller than the Earth, you think it's less than half the size of the Earth, then, sorry, police cars, it's less than half the size of the Earth, the, um, there was less heat in that planet, much less size in the core, ergo size is heat, in this instance there's much less heat in the core. So tectonics existed on Mars, there's scars of it, there's extinct volcanoes, and I'll come back to that, but there's no active tectonic processes. All right, that's a really important function. No plate tectonics, no earthquakes, no or major earthquakes, no volcanoes, but also it means no heat. No heat coming out of the core to keep the planet warm, all right? Because it's small, there's, that's, the, that's what leads to the little atmosphere. But by this point in its evolution of the planet, most of the atmospheric gases have escaped into space and there's bugger all left because oxygen is too light and it's weak gravity can't hold onto it and it just buggers off all right the on mars there is a volcano it is called olympus mons it is the largest volcano in the solar system it is massive i think it is the size of europe or some division of that that's pretty close to the whole thing it is enormous in the it is so it's like a pimple giant pimple on the side of Mars it almost extends past the atmosphere of the planet that is how big it is but it is also so it is so slopes up so gently that you can barely see that it's a mountain when you're relatively close to it because of how much it slopes upwards alright and I'm not doing this very well but we'll get there so important thing about Sorry, roadworks, that just slowed down. Um, so, the, okay, so play t- the tectonics is there. Now, I've actually went on ABC Radio in Queensland to talk about this. It's not quite as dead as we think. There is, there's microquakes. One of the Curiosity, the Cur- Cur- Curiosity rover detected minor earthquakes, we think. And if that's the case, then it's not as dead as we thought. It's not a completely dead wasteland ancient world. It's got a bit of life left in it. And that, that's a good thing. It means there's a little bit of an electromagnetic field. It means there's a little bit of protection. It's not as far gone. And from a very romantic, poetic point of view, it means that the world is technically still alive. And that means that our nearest celestial neighbor is still breathing and it's still energetically active. And that's incredible. And this, we got the sounds. We have the... F- when Curiosity turned its soil detection kit on to uh, its, its seismometer onto full gain, it picked up the wind banging against it, and NASA turned that into a sound. And that was the first technically recorded sound we got off Mars, and it was beautiful and it was amazing. We actually have real sound now. You can find it, Google it, Mars Perseverance rover sound, and you'll hear the first. Not interpretative sound, but literally recorded 
sound of the surface of another planet. And it's amazing. It's so cool. Um, and she's, you know, she's alive. There's a little bit of life in the old girl yet. It's amazing. It's wonderful. And it's poetic and it's beautiful. And I'm getting really enthusiastic about it. Anyway, so it's also some of the features. Mars is is red, obviously. It's that's that's iron oxide. So it's like the outback Australia. It's mostly it's rust, to be honest. There's dust storms on Mars. It's basically one big arid wasteland. There's no liquid water. It's a desert. Um, there is some water bound up as ice at the poles, which is interesting. And there is this sort of um, theory that there's more ice bound up underground in the crevices and things like that, which would make sense given its evolution. And here's the really cool thing about Mars, one of the best things. There is a place on Mars, the Valles Marianas. It is a trench, a giant continental-sized trench. Galileo thought they were canals made by organic sentient life. He thought that they... He called them Il Canali. He thought that they were evidence of life on Mars. They're canyons. Water-eroded canyons. And it is... You look at the... As it, it's difficult to explain this part. As it, geology is very interpretative. It's very... You go to a geology degree, you learn about the basic principles, you learn about the physics involved in what happens, and then... It's all about interpreting the phenomenon in front of you. You ask 12 geologists about some particular phenomena you've seen, and you will get 12 different, subtly different answers. Because it is, it's, it's poetry, all right? It's an art form. When you look from space at Mars, and you can see the wind-borne dunes, you can see the wind-eroded structures, but under that and next to that, you see the water-eroded structures. You see where that rock, that rock formation right there, that is not water that has done that. That is, that is not air that has done that. That's not abrasion with sand that has done that. That's water. Mars had liquid water, oceans and rivers everywhere. And it's, it probably developed into a stable biosphere faster than Earth did because it would have cooled sooner because it's smaller. So there was longer on Mars for, Earth, for life to develop than there was on Earth. So there is a very, very good likelihood that at least single-celled life evolved on Mars, as it had on Earth. There's even a wacky theory of panspermia, and I think I've discussed this before, that talks about how life could have arrived on Earth from Mars. Mars would have had an electromagnetic field slightly weaker than Earth's, but it would have existed because of the dynamo at the core was still spinning. This is billions of years ago. It would have had an electromagnetic field. It would have had uh, plate tectonics moving things around, providing heat, providing uh, liquid water, liquid oceans. And you can Google this as well, Mars with oceans, and it will show you, give you maps of what it would look like. Uh, there's no great obvious plate tectonics sort of arrangements because they're all eroded because it died a long, like they went away a long time ago. Um, <laughs> what was I talking about? I excited to talk about water. 
but yeah, life could have evolved. So you could have, like, there was a period of solar system formation called the uh, bombardment. That's when all of the different rocks that were left over from the solar system's formation ended up whacking into the planets that existed at the time. And yeah, sorry, putting my cruise control on so I can gesticulate wildly and not crash. The <laughs> sorry, got sidetracked again. On a personal note, I'm <laughs> having a rough time at the moment. I'm really tired. I'm not getting much sleep. So this is pretty brave of me trying to record a podcast by myself while I'm driving an unfamiliar car because I've got a rental car because my car's getting healed. Um, <laughs> so liquid water. It had liquid water. It's got ice at the moment and these beautifully water eroded structures. And I would not be at all surprised if we found fossil life on Mars. So that is, crack open a rock and there's single-celled fossils inside it. I would not be at all surprised. There is very contentious evidence from asteroid meteorites that have been found in Antarctic ice that have come from Mars. They have the same radio perfect Radio, radioisotope signature, that's the word, um, as Mars, other Mars rocks that we've seen. It's best guess that they're from Mars, but it makes sense, that have what we think are fossils in them. Now, a fossil Tyrannosaurus skull is, if you actually, like, you, you may think that that would be really obvious to find, but when it's in situ, fossils are really hard to spot. Even really obvious things like whole frigging sauropod skeletons that's the sauropods are the big ones like brachiosaurus and diplodocus and that um god dinosaurs what is it with me and dinosaurs that even they can be really challenging to find um insect skeleton insect fossils which are by and large the overwhelming majority are even harder single-celled organisms sure good luck it's really really hard to see and it's essentially match the pattern in this rock that's just a rock chock full of other patterns. Yeah? So, I'll go back. I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised that we find evidence of fossil life, of once existing life on Mars that's now extinct. So, what are the... What are the major challenges about Mars? I mean, we've talked about the radiation. We've talked about the low gravity. We've talked about the thin atmosphere and the cold. Those are the big ticket items for colonizing Mars that you have to overcome. So if there's water, okay, that's good. You build a settlement near where there's water and then you don't have to cart that stuff with you or harvest it from space. Now, there is a really good science fiction show at the moment called The Expanse. Um, if, you, if you're into science fiction and you haven't seen it, I thoroughly recommend it. It is fantastic. Um, but in that there's ice miners there's um, like the asteroid belt which is chock full of ice now and a lot of people's jobs is to cart ice as for drinking water back to the various settlements throughout the solar system so you could do that but if you had a settlement next to liquid to, to frozen water it would be crack on ideal and also good from an from a from a um, 
paleontological that's better <laughs> viewpoint because if there's going to be interesting things to look at they might be frozen in the ice and that's pretty likely because you only get life with water so if there was life it might be in the water so let's look at the ice let's see if there's anything from funky in there and we might be able to drink it fantastic don't have to cut it from earth or from the asteroid belt which is you know really dangerous and excessively far away we don't have that kind of society yet so that's one challenge the other one you can't live outside yet all right you can't have you know picket fence and a yard with a dog and a shotgun you have to be in domes you have to be in sealed habitats you cannot be exposed you're also going to get irradiated all right the first lot of settlers to mars will get irradiated as fuck they may not be like they may get very sick they may die because the first prefab quick construction shelters that will be available uh, that, we, that we have as a society as a science are not great at radiation shielding radiation shielding either needs metal which is heavy to take into space or lots of rock and the first colonists won't be able to get underground very easily they won't know where to do that there might be lava tubes there might be places you can get underground on mars there's a documentary on netflix about colonizing mars and one of the things they're looking for is a volcanic chimney with ice in it the likelihood of them being next to each other is functionally zero but not quite zero so it's improbable not impossible and not implausible either you know it's possible so basically yeah it's and it's and you're further away from the earth so further away from the sun sorry so it's cold so you have to have be warm all the time so you need a lot of fuel solar collectors will still be useful because there's no weather you get big dust storms and that will destroy pretty much everything you have but you don't get cloudy days on mars you just have day night all right there's not enough of an atmosphere there's no liquid water anywhere on the planet so there's no clouds there's no obscuring shitty weather apart from fucking dust storms which are bad enough so you'd take solar but it would be slightly less effective because it's further away not by much now i might be wrong about that i'll have to look that up when i get home um yeah actually i think i'm wrong about that anyway so you've got your first settlement you've you've gone the 18 months travel which i think is wrong but doesn't matter we'll go on not good with numbers um you've got from earth you've gone to mars in your rocket now you can either accelerate all the way halfway then turn around and fire your rockets the other way to slow down so you get to earth like they're doing the expanse or you can do it a lot slower give yourself a bit of thrust and just coast along and then slow down once you start to get to mars depends how much fuel you want to use once you get to mars that's the hard part then we'll talk about the human cost of this in a bit uh, you've got to put a settlement down you've got to make sure that it's sealed again so you have an atmosphere inside that you can breathe it's got to be warm enough that you won't freeze to death as soon as it turns to, it goes nighttime you have to have all your food there and as we've seen in the martian you're growing potatoes whatever that's pretty unlikely the i mean it's possible if you made the plant specifically designed to be able to live in martian soil the martian soil and i use the i'm using pretty large quotation marks to describe soil when we think of soil we're thinking of humus which is the black stuff on top that's not 
all that soil is, all right? Soil is also all the underlying stuff, which is the clays and the silts and everything else underneath it. Mars does not have that nice, comfortable, organic layer that's made of completely macerated vegetable matter or, or plant matter that is really easy to get nutrients out of for plants, especially if you've got fungus living through it. Uh, Mars's soil is all regolith. It's all eroded rocks. There will be no organic detritus whatsoever. It is dead rock. And there are not many plants that can digest pure dead rock. And apart from that, is it's oxi- heavily, heavily oxidized. That's rust. And there's not many plants that like that particular environment. So we're going to have to do some pretty heavy genetic engineering of various plants to be able to grow on Mars. And the radiation. Don't ever, no, don't forget the radiation. So that's all the cha- That's some of the challenges, the, the engineering challenges to Mars. And you've got your Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, Elon Musk, that are screaming about Mars and things like that. And look, could Mars become a a planet for us? Yeah, it could. It could. But it will only be adventurous and scientifically interesting it will never be home for our species terraforming mars would be extraordinarily time consuming and possess and would require technologies that we do not have yet so terraforming and i realized i said that without explaining it is about changing the worlds that you live on in order to make it closer to what your species needs to habit habitat to be for it to be habitable so in Mars case you would dramatically thicken the atmosphere which would keep the air in which would um, stop a lot of the radiation which would warm it up a bit because whatever solar radiation penetrates the clouds would stay and bounce around much like it does on Earth so it would would warm it up quite a bit and then you just um, oxygen have free much more oxygen much more carbon dioxide much more nitrogen um thicken that up more weather more water we need a particular level of humidity to be safe a zero humidity is actually really really dangerous for humans to breathe and exist in because your lungs start to die your lungs need a slightly moist air right so these are all engineering challenges to to living on mars but it will never be home for our species and that's an important point we can't just flee to Mars. The entire population of Earth would never be able to go to Mars. It would never happen. Um, in, an ent- in a very esoteric theoretical discussion, Venus is almost a better terraforming candidate than Mars is. I'm not going to go into Venus because I would be here for the next 45 minutes discussing it with you. Venus is a hellscape. It rains liquid metal leave that with you there so sorry I had to pause it to slow down for roadworks and just waiting for the people behind me to drive on my ass the so that's that, that's the engineering challenges all right it's not easy it's going to be frustrating as hell and um, it's never going to be the reward that you hope that it's going to be simply because of the planet it's too small gravity's low uh, look up what happens to humans when they get low gravity um, there's a really fascinating experiment concluded with astronauts recently a couple of years ago I think 
Um, Scott Kelly was a astronaut for NASA. He spent a year in space. He's one of the one of the people that spent the longest amount of time in weightless in microgravity or weightlessness. And they compared his body and his genome to his twin brother who didn't go to space. And there's some really startling problems that Scott Kelly's developed and are going to have to deal with for the rest of his life after being in space for a year. We're not evolved to do it. It plays havoc on our circulatory system. It plays havoc on our bone structure. Um, your white blood cells don't get produced properly. Your... Um, your digestive system doesn't work properly because it requires gravity you like it's bad it's bad on so many levels all right and now while mars is not true weightlessness per se it is less than earth so it's not ideal right it's 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 more than the moon so you can see remember the guys bouncing around on the moon it's more than that but it's still less than the earth so those some of those issues that happen to people when they're in microgravity will continue to happen but i'll be at a slower pace the radiation as i've said will get to you eventually you cannot escape it it will fuck you up at some point you absolutely um and breathing in all that dust if you, like yeah look there is no environment on earth that as is as inhospitable to our life as mars is with the exception of maybe a few places in extreme deserts and Antarctica and in the Sahara and places like that. Right? There is a valley in Antarctica where humans can't spend more than a few minutes because the air is so dry, it, you start to die very quickly. You get very sick. So that's some of, yeah, that's the engineering challenges and that's the human health challenges. But here are some of the other challenges that... that we talk when people talk about colonizing Mars. It doesn't. We don't talk about society. What would it look like if you created a society on Mars? How would its government work? What kind of economy would it have? An economy? Would it be a barter system? Would it be? Uh, would it be military rule for the first two, three, four, five, ten, fifteen generations, and then become a democracy? Would you still use money on a planet where there's no? Like, how would the idea of a market forces and consumerism work on a planet that hasn't got factories and hasn't got, you know, 60 different kinds of mobile bloody phone and things like that? So, yeah. One of the things, the only thing that really keeps human society going, I mean, we'll talk about capitalism for a minute. Let's talk about the earth. The thing that keeps our society going along is ultra-consumerism. Is, like, if, we, if, if capitalism doesn't have growth, it dies. And one of the pitfalls of the system is that it assumes infinite growth, which is insane, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm here to talk about it anyway. Um, and that... You, you have to have a market. You've got to have people that build things. You've got to have people that buy things. And without that, the whole thing falls on its ass. On Mars, that wouldn't exist. How can that possibly exist for the first, I don't know, even 200 years of a colony on Mars? You wouldn't have that kind of a society. You wouldn't have that kind of production. It just wouldn't exist. Also, the raw materials are there, but, you know, they're... Like... 
Earth is an abundance source of energies and raw materials. Mars is much less abundant in, say, animals, food, medicines. We have to make all of that ourselves from things we find on Earth. We'd have to bring it to Mars. Like, you can't... I mean, these people don't think about it this way. On Mars, there is nothing on the planet that you can use to turn into food, medicine, um, uh, actually that's pretty much it, uh, food and medicine, me- fully uh, two-thirds of the human experience is something you would have to bring from elsewhere. Mars has raw materials in terms of construction and maybe technology depending on what it's got in rare earths and things like that. And, and special metals but you have to bring everything else from earth you can't make it out of the local creatures because and local plants because there are none okay it would have to be yeah and i'm laboring this point too much because i'm struggling i want to think about it so that's one aspect the the kind the capitalist system just simply wouldn't work there you would it would have to be very tightly controlled it would be a totalitarian state, perhaps a socialist one, but it would still be a military or civilian dictatorship. It would have to be, by its very definition. Because if someone, say, if someone fucks up on Earth, they hurt themselves. That's it. If someone fucks up in an airtight community on Mars, the whole place is threatened. So you can't... The same rules don't apply. That's the best way of describing it what it means to to have a, a village or a society or a township or a community on earth think about all of the things that go to sustain that community half of those things won't be relevant on Mars it would have to be extremely regimented extremely careful extremely disciplined and you will go without more often than you go than you have surplus and a lot of people can't cope with that. That's not a recipe for success for most people. So you've got, from, from let's go from the start, you've got an extremely long space trip where your body is going to wither away. You've got extremely close confines for 18 months while you're traveling to Mars where you've got to share like, you know, three square meters with six other people or if you could maybe a hundred other people in something the size of a high school gym um, gym you know so that's one aspect you've got to be comfortable with that and not go crazy and I don't know many people that would like that that's a bit confirmation biasy but that's going to be a thing then once you've got there you've got to go to this highly dangerous place where if anything goes wrong your life is immediately in danger and the life of everyone around you and the success of your community is threatened if anything goes wrong you are totally reliant on Earth for your life. Totally reliant. And this is even assuming that we create technologies that don't exist yet to help us deal with some of the more gnarly engineering and physics, physical properties of being a colonist on Mars. So it's hard. It's, it could be hard work and people will die. The, the balance of averages says that the first set group of settlers that go to Mars unless it is a flawlessly executed miraculously perfect plan 
they're all going to die. And I mean, that's not going to stop a lot of people because you'd be the first colonists on Mars. That'd be awesome, regardless. And chances are the first group will be, they'll have to all be astronauts, really. They'll have to go through the astronaut training program just to get there. So there'll be extremely select people with multiple disciplines, multiple educations, because you want people who can do more than one thing. You know, you don't just want a pilot. You want a pilot who's also a botanist. Uh, so you can grow your food in hydroponics. You want uh, a doctor who's also a physicist. Well, maybe doctor. Maybe doctor is one of those things you can get away with. Anyway, now I'm just blathering. Tight confines on the sta- on that on the habitat as well. So, should we colonize Mars? Absolutely. We have to. We've got to put boots on another world. We've got to put boots on another world that's dead compared to ours so we can understand just how fragile this world is. So we understand we are fucking this world up for growth and obscene wealth of maybe 400 people. And that the, the, infant, the acceptability of infinite growth is insane. And I'm not even talking about climate change yet. Where at some point in the last six months, I think it was, the total amount of humans and shit that humans have built or own outweighs the entire natural world. The entire natural world is now smaller than the human sphere. What the fuck? God. Anyway. <laughs> so, exploration of Mars and settlement of Mars will be good from a, a perspective of it'll teach us how, maybe it'll teach us to respect Earth a bit better. That would be great. I'd love that outcome. Um, maybe we discover some new, like the, the space race gave us all kinds of new technology. So maybe the, the, the Mars colonization will give us a whole bunch more consumer technology that'll be make our lives a bit different, a bit better. But it's unlikely considering, anyway, rant aside. So this has been a bit more ranty and opinionated than most of my, my normal ones. I hope people enjoy it. I'm sorry I'm tired and ranty. But if anything, what, what the potential colonization of Mars teaches us is what we have easy here on Earth. And we got it easy on Earth. Like, it, it, it's difficult to really describe just how much we... Like, this is the planet that we evolved in. This is the world that... that our forefathers came, like, like, like lived on and we're entirely adapted to live in this biosphere. And there isn't another world out there that we're adapted to live on. It's just this one. And we go back to that word terraforming. Our entire, in, the industry of this world is terraforming the world for a species that isn't human. Just think about that for a second. The, the, what we're doing to the world, what we're doing to the oceans, what we're doing to the atmosphere, and what we, how we're changing the entire biosphere is not to suit us. I'm not saying there's another species pulling the, spring, the, the strings. That's insane. It's just the insanity of it. We are, through, in, through ignorance, 
terraforming the world for a species that isn't us. And hopefully, hopefully, putting boots on Mars gives a certain people the perspective of how much we need to protect this home. Because we haven't found another one yet. And there isn't a next door neighbour that we can just pop into for a metaphorical cup of sugar. Thank you for listening. Dark note. End of the world. Sorry. But Mars is cool. Like Mars is amazing. It's breathtakingly beautiful. It's an entire... It's an alien world. And she, she's got a heartbeat. And there's wind and there's storms and there's dust and there's mountains and, and extinct volcanoes and, and there's robots. It is the only planet in our solar system populated entirely by robots. And there's a fantastic Tumblr thread out there that describes that if we go extinct, if we accidentally wipe ourselves out or something like that, aliens visit us in 20,000, 2 million, 3 million years, which is unlikely, but, you know, go with it. And aliens are doing archaeology and they find Earth and they find Mars and they find the, the robots' curiosity and perseverance. And we sent the best thoughts of ourselves out into the universe to explore it just for the sake of knowing. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Thanks, everyone. Good night.